The second reading is from Deuteronomy, chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them, because the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt, will be with you. When you are about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, Hear, Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. This is the word of the Lord. I'd like to welcome those who may be live streaming our service today. Make no mistake, you're a vital part of this congregation, and we're glad that technology helps us connect together. Standing on the Wall. A film entitled A Few Good Men is a story about two Marines who are on trial facing court-martial for the murder of a fellow Marine. Three Navy lawyers are appointed to defend them. And there was quite a bit of tension in this particular way of preparing. The three lawyers had a good strategy, but the tension was rising. And at one point, Demi Moore, who is the ranking lawyer in the, in the team, she was understanding the needs of these veterans and respected them. and. And even though they were on trial, she was going to work hard to make sure they got a fair trial. A third lawyer, however, rose a question out of anger and frustration, and he asked her, why do you like them so much? She responded, because they stand on the wall and they say, nothing is going to hurt you, not on my watch. These 19 words suggest a metaphor for what it means to serve as a veteran. The wall is not made of brick or mortar, but flesh and blood, sacrifice and commitment. To fully appreciate Veterans Day and to fully appreciate the life and faith of a veteran, we have to go back to our history. We have to go back to the birth of our nation. And we have to look at the story of a man by the name of George Washington. As you will recall from your history of, of this period, the colonies had been against the ropes. Britain had taxed them repeatedly. They had threatened their authority to govern themselves. And the colonists had lost one freedom after another. They wanted to be free. They wanted their independence. But freedom is not free. Congress realized that if they proclaimed their independence, there would be a war. Britain would not let them break away. They needed a leader, and that leader was George Washington. He was the only experienced military leader that they had. He was 43 years of old at the time of his appointment, and his presence... Being in the room with him was commanding. 
He stood at six feet, three inches. The greatest gift that Washington gave us as our first veteran was the gift of character. He looked to God. He had a faith, and he looked to this faith for guidance, for his support, and for the endurance that faced him. Washington felt that there was something that God had for him to do. There was a sense of destiny, a calling, a purpose. And he had mysteriously survived two battles in the French and Indian War. In one battle, he had two horses shot out from under him, and he had four bullet holes in his uniform, but yet not a scratch. He began to wonder, what does God have for me? With the founding fathers, he pledged his life, his property, and his sacred honor. And for Washington, sacred honor meant placing nation above self. He wanted an army, in his words, of noble character, to be a righteous cause and to fight for righteousness. He encouraged the freedom of religion, and he demanded religious tolerance. If you go back and read the history of the colonies during the 1600s and even into the 1700s, there was quite a bit of persecution. The Puritans picked on the Quakers. The Protestants picked on the, the Catholics. And everybody picked on the Jewish people. But Washington realized that he could not have these types of battles and factions in his army. He needed unity. It was critical. He in this regard, was way beyond his time to declare religious tolerance for the army. He also realized that he needed some help to do the things he wanted to do. And in 1775, he asked Congress to support the positions of chaplains throughout the army. When Washington arrived to take charge of his army in Boston, he was shocked. Because as he inventoried his equipment, he realized that he only had enough gunpowder for each of his soldiers to fire their weapon only nine times. They lacked everything. They lacked equipment. Many of the soldiers came with the clothes on their back, many without shoes, a few without weapons. They were not trained, but yet they were up against the most modern and well-known adversary that there was in the world the British Army, the British Army, and along with their mercenaries, the Hessians, German soldiers who carried extra-long bayonets. The first winter was the hardest. Valley Forge, Washington lost 2,500 men to disease and exposure. History records that you could track the movement of this army while watching for their bloody footprints in the snow. You see, this army was not supposed to win. Washington had a faith that stood against all odds that he was going to lose. But after eight long years, this ragtag army not supposed to win did. And at the conclusion of the Revolutionary War, the world watched to see what Washington would do. Would he crown himself king as they did in Europe? But he didn't do that. He went to Congress, resigned his commission, got on his horse, went back home to Mount Vernon to be a farmer. 
Washington left behind a legacy. He left behind a legacy of what it means to be a veteran. And he left behind an institution that he created, the American military. It was at that time the most trusted of the institutions, and it still is today. These first veterans created a DNA that has reverberated throughout faith and life. They have given us example to live. In every age since that time, we've had men and women who have had to stand on the wall to protect our country. One of the most profound stories is found in World War II. It's entitled, The Story of Four Chaplains. The SS Dorchester, a ship that had been in mothballs, was pressed back into service. It was now a troop transport, and in February 1943, it was bound for Greenland, and it was carrying 900 soldiers. The Nazi submarine intercepted and fired a torpedo that began to sink that ship immediately. Those who were able to make it to the top, however, came out with great confusion about how and what they were supposed to do. On deck that day were four army chaplains. They moved about calming the fright, frightening men. They went about directing men to lifeboats, giving out life jackets. And when the supply of life jackets ran out, they stripped off their own life jacket and gave it to soldiers. These chaplains gave away their last means to survive. What is so striking about the story is the fact that these four chaplains all came from different faith backgrounds. Clark Poling and George Fox were Protestant ministers. John Washington was a Roman Catholic priest and Alexander Goody was a Jewish rabbi. But in their moment of decision, they didn't ask the soldier, are you Catholic, are you Protestant? The soldier was in need and the mission of the chaplaincy was to meet that need. Eyewitness accounts tell us that as that ship sank that day, they saw the four chaplains still standing on the deck, arms linked, heads bowed, as this ship sank below the icy waters of the North Atlantic. This is a story. This is a story of what it looks like to stand on the wall to sacrifice your life for others. As Jesus would say, no one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for your friends. Our church has a long and distinguished history of service to country, Plaques honoring veterans of this church who have served in World War I and II hang in the narthex. Today, we've identified about 63 veterans that are members of our Veterans Fellowship Group. They've served in all the branches, Navy, Army, Air Force, Coast Guard, and Marines. And oh, by the way, this is the birthday, the 244th birthday of the Marine Corps. Our Veterans Fellowship Group came into being about two years ago with the full support of the leadership of the church and with the able assistance of, of Neil and Dolly and, and Maggie Turner and her healing ministry team, we had our first meeting. And you should be there and watch the magic that goes on in the room. There is a bond that already exists among these veterans. They have shared a similar story, walked down similar lanes, and when they get together, they share their memories. 
where they served, and what they did. You will not find a finer company anywhere. Now let me tell you a little bit about these veterans in our church. Every one of them. Every one of them knows what it's like to leave home and to step out into the unknown. They all know what it's like to board a bus, a train, or a plane with a duffel bag on their shoulder and a lump in their throat. Each one carried their faith, or better said, their faith carried them. They all stood before our nation's flag with watery eyes and took a solemn oath to do to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. From day one, they were introduced into a diverse and pluralistic culture, a military culture. They had to learn the language, the traditions, and the culture of their respective branch of service. And in so doing, they made friends for life. Their service ranged from World War II the Korean War, the Cold War, the Vietnam War, the First Gulf War, and today the War on Terror. They all served in various assignments, and they'll be the first to tell you, you don't pick your assignment, you do what you are told. They stood on the wall alongside others, becoming a team, being there on the sea and in the air, in the jungles, in the deserts, in a thousand places you've never heard of. Most, if not all, served in places of danger and tremendous risk. All carried tremendous responsibilities. And many of them will never tell you. They'll never tell you about the time they wrote a letter to you and on the outside it was marked, to be given to my next of kin in the event of my death. <clears throat> many have slept within artillery range of the enemy, and all of them have an intimate relationship with the 23rd Psalm. They just don't know the Psalm. They know the shepherd. Their favorite New Testament verse is John 3:16, and their favorite hymn is Amazing Grace. Some of those in this room this day left blood on the battlefield. Some have experienced traumatic brain injuries. Some still suffer from PTSD and others carry emotional scars that still linger, but their true grit, never self-focused, and always faithful to serve if called again. Back during the first Gulf War, we were told that losses would be great and that we would need to be able to re recall retirees to serve on our installations. The tra chaplain's corps began to call retired chaplains. Their records were not very up to date. They called one retired chaplain, and he said, well, I just had a hip replacement. I'm 85, but if you give me two weeks, I'll be there. <laughs> That's the spirit of a veteran. Our veterans, all of them, have missed birthdays and Christmases, Easter's and graduations, but you'll never know how much your good your letters did. It filled them with hope. Ask them, ask them to tell you what it was like after being deployed overseas and they came back home. Ask them to tell you how it felt when the wheels of that aircraft touched down on American soil and you knew they were back home. Ask them.
They entered military service in their youth, but they returned home much wiser. And as the years have passed, like all of us, they've forgotten many things, but they'll never forget what it was like to stand on the wall. Not so long after General Colin Powell retired, he said, quote, I liked being a soldier, and I liked the friendship that came with being a soldier, and I liked the idea of being in a service. I believe, and I still believe, there is something noble about it. When veterans return home, they enrich and influence the lives of others. Veterans have had a profound effect upon my life. One of my greatest blessings was to be born into a home that had a World War II veteran. My father was a 21-year-old first sergeant standing on the beaches of the Normandy invasion. In my home church, there was a plaque that hung on the side of the wall that every Sunday you would see it. It listed those who had been killed in action. My Boy Scout troop was staffed by veterans. Mr. Howard Lilly, a mentor for life, was an Army Ranger on D-Day, wounded in action, captured, yet he escaped and got back to American lines. When one of my scout troops, once when one of my scout troops was camping in North Georgia mountains, a heavy rainstorm came up and flooded our tents. Dripping wet, we gathered what we could and reported to the high ground. And when we got up there, Mr. Chamberlain was under a large tarp cooking. He was one of our assistant scoutmasters, a veteran. He was cooking breakfast over a big fire, and something about that event must have triggered some memories for him because he began to tell us about surviving in combat. He began to tell us about surviving in a place called Guadalcanal. We listened with our souls. In high school, I participated in three years of junior ROTC, and this time three Army sergeants who'd been veterans of the Korean War were there, teaching us about what it means to be a soldier. During my freshman year of college, however, the Holy Spirit began to nudge me in a certain direction. I was okay with being a soldier, but I didn't know so much about being a preacher. The calling kept coming, a calling in the night over and over to become an army chaplain. Once I figured that out, I was at home. And after a process too, too, too long to describe to you here, I moved in that direction. The Old Testament passage that I read to you about a priest going before the army and speaking a word for God is what chaplains do in various ways. We ensure the freedom of religion and the tolerance of religion. We advise commanders on the, their, the morale of their unit and the morals of the command. We confront the system when it needs confronting. We nurture the living and so support their spiritual formation and resilience. We care for the wounded, support their families, and also we honor the dead. Chaplains can be found in every level of the organization in all branches. And it was my good fortune to be able to serve as a chaplain for three decades. Why? Why do you like them so much? Because they stand on the wall and they say, nothing is going to hurt you, not on my watch. Thanks be to God for lives well lived. 
Amen.